Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. Between you not knowing how many brother and sister-in-laws that you have to trying to figure out what constitutes constitutes a brother or sister-in-law is... I made, uh, I, made what, a, I made a mistake. Yes, you did. I made a mistake. I said I had one sister-in-law. That's why she's the default favorite. Right. I forgot about my brother's wife. She's also my sister-in-law. Totally my bad. That's right. I have two sister-in-laws. But then my wife texts me. She's like, yo, you have three sister-in-laws because... Her brother's wife. And now I'm like feeling extra guilty, like, holy crap. Like, yeah. But and that's no. And you're like, I'm like no. no, no, she is nothing to you. Like, her brother's your brother in law, and then that stops. Who he married? Like, you're just like high five, but like, no, you don't give her a title. She doesn't have a title. So she is my brother in law's wife. Yes. That's, that's, what, that's all that's, she is. That's the way I see it. Okay. I just thought she was my sister-in-law, too, when nah, it was first nah. presented to me. But, that, but that, then you only said you had one sister-in-law. That was a mistake. You weren't including her or that was a mistake. One. That wow. was a mistake. Like You missed out on two sister-in-laws. I did. I did. Just two human beings. Just really one, though. The other one is nothing. <laughs> just two. Yes. But then the other one. But ones. you actually thought the other one was. Correct. Yes. Okay, Correct. we got it figured out. Holy moly. Got to love it. Things are about to change around <sighs> here. I can feel it. You do? Yes. You can feel it in the air tonight? That was so. I'm, I did a song lyric. You didn't even realize it, and then you hit me back with another song yeah, lyric. Because I'm focused on this golf right now at uh, Riviera. Have you ever played there, by the way? I have not played oh, Riviera. Special, special, special. Um, maybe one day. M- maybe, maybe probably not. No, no. <laughs> I probably have to be with you somewhat. Somehow. And you won't be with me there. I can promise <laughs> you that. So no, you won't ever play there. Oh my gosh. Um. Things are going to change around here. I can feel it. That's from um, uh, Beck, Loser. Remember that song? Uh, I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? me? Yes. Yeah, love it. Um, and you can feel it in the air tonight, okay? Yes. Sean Payton. Sean Payton going on record saying that things are going to change year over year from what we were accustomed to, okay? This is Sean Payton from this past week talking about dudes playing in the preseason. Look, I don't believe in sitting all our players during three preseason games. We're going to play them. You know, we're going There's to some play Broncos them. players learning that right now. Yeah, yep. and, <laughs> and this whole idea that they're going to be healthier, we haven't seen the data. There's nothing that tells us, you know. So we're going to play in preseason games. Now, we'll have a method to how we do it. Uh, hallelujah. 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 No more glamping. No more glamping. Nobody was more on top of this than our show. Bringing attention to this from day one, right? From when we saw it right off the rip. And we talked about it every day. And um, so I absolutely love this. Like, there is no data to back this up, right? That all, if you don't play guys and you you handle camp this way, that you're going to be a healthier football team. Uh, And also... There is a method to the madness. Have some flexibility. You're not going to play them all, you know, for four quarters for three preseason game. Everything is different. Everything is unique. Be flexible. But get your team ready to play football when it matters the most. 
And you can't do that if you're jogging around the damn practice field every day, giving high fives and, you know, being out there for an hour, hour and a half. That's how you get ready to play football. So that is, okay, that is refreshing to hear, right? And I know you probably feel the same way. I do. I mean, everything that you just said, full cosign. And I almost felt crazy at some point during camp because we wouldn't let it go. And we got told, hey, you guys need to let it go. Uh, we got told by former players who would come and sit down with us saying, you guys need to snap out of it. This is the new NFL. This is the new NFL. Well, hold on a second. It's watching Hard Knocks. What, what was that? Because they started slow and went on like an eight-game winning streak and had the most explosive offense in professional football. They finished strong, didn't they? They did. And they got after it in camp. And the thought was, if you go hard in camp, guys will drop like flies and you won't be healthy down the stretch of the season. Well, the Broncos had that approach and were the most banged-up team in football, and the Lions had the opposite approach and had the longest winning streak in the league when the, when the, the, the months turned colder. So... And finish the season as strong as you could get there with, with a victory over Green Bay in Lambeau when Green Bay was playing for a playoff spot. Good memory. That's how they finished the season good, off. Really good memory. I forgot about that. Just they, with the mindset of we don't care. Hey, it doesn't matter to us if we're playing for a playoff spot or not. And they were eliminated because of the game before them, the Seahawks game, I right. believe. Yep, good, and, good call, man. But they still went out there on a mission. Like, this is just our mindset. We're just, you know, we're a little bit raw. And we're, we're going to get after it. That's who we are as a football team. And that's what they did. They started 1-6 and six and finished with a winning record. They started 1-6. and six. Now, these are anecdotal examples. This is like one team. So I don't want to get like hyper-focused on just one example versus the Broncos example. But here's, what, here's where, here's where um, I kind of got lost. You would hear Nathaniel Hackett saying, it's science. It's science. If we've done the research, this is you. You, you got to trust me. This is the way to stay healthy. And then I'd watch HBO on Hard Knocks, and Dan Campbell would be pleading with the guys. Guys, trust me. We know it's it, this. This is this is science. This is this is our philosophy. You got to You got to go with me on this. Um, so I was like, wait, how can your science be true and your science be true? It's kind of like watching you know cable news in 2020. But it was one of these things. Like you got to. Yeah. 2023. I know. I said, you're saying this science is true, and you're saying this science is true. And it's kind of like watching cable news in 2020. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Gotcha. So sure. um, I didn't know who to believe. Like, what, what, what metrics are you following? What metrics are you following? Like, who, who's right here? I'm just going to trust Sean Payton that he's going to find the balance because I don't think it's all one thing or the other. And I want to make clear, like, you and I weren't saying you got to play the guys in preseason. We weren't saying that. We're saying you can't not do both. You can't play no one in preseason and not have real training camp practices. Right. That's a recipe for failure. So find a balance, and there was no balance here in Denver. Find a balance. And I think uh, when you look at finding that balance, like you said, it's not, hey, all in, and we're going we're gonna to grind away, and we're gonna doing two-a-days, and you, know, you can't do that stuff anymore. That's fine. That's fine, but you have to get ready to play football. And the only way to get ready to play football is to go out there and practice and practice hard. And that will always be the case because football is tough. It's demanding. And, uh, and if you don't do it and you're not ready for it, then how are you going to do it when it matters? You're just not going to. And, and yeah, playing, playing guys in preseason game, it's, games, it's always different. 
right, the view of it. I don't think there's one way to just say, yes, we're definitely going to do it, and that's what we're going to do next year. That's what we're going to do the year after. Every situation is a one-of-one. How are we going to do it this year with a new offense, new coordinators, new coaches, all of these things? Well, you know, we need to play a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Right? And because we're trying to win football games in the regular season. Will injuries happen? Could injuries happen? Yes, it, it could. But we can't li- live in, in, in fear and in, in worrying about, you know, what happens if we do this? What happens if we do that? We have to get ready to play the first game of the season. And the way to do that, especially with new systems in place, is to go out there and play a little bit. And they didn't do that. They still got hurt, and we still stunk. So right, right. at a certain point, it's just like, okay, that, just, that let's, just let's go for it. And so I love Sean Payton's approach here of, of you know what, we're going to play a little bit, and we're going to get the guys ready to play. And, and it helps the coaches too, right? It helps the coaches get ready to go and, and, and feel comfortable. And we saw a learning curve with our coaches when it came to being ready to go also. Right. It's true. It's true. All that is true. So, and when your head coach says, you know, uh, he hates the preseason, that was so. That right? was remember dude, that. Uh, it, it, it's hard to forget that you actually had an NFL coach in his first year, like he like like he was drawing from experience. And it's one thing to not like that part of the year because the risk involved and who you could lose and all this stuff. I I got that. That that's just real. That's just reality in the NFL. But you can't go up into a microphone and say you hate the preseason. When you do that, you de-emphasize the process. And that was just a recipe for disaster because this team was not ready to play. They weren't. Like, our fears were confirmed. They were, yes. not, they were not ready to play. Nope, and it was obvious. It was evident, and, and that's how it played out. We were, we were screaming at the top of our lungs about this all of training camp, and it played out just like that. A total disaster. This team wasn't ready to play football from the beginning to the end. And they and they had a ton of injuries to to, to go with. Right. So you know it, that approach obviously was a huge failure. It, it blew up in the Broncos' face and in Nathaniel Hackett's face in such a way. And now we're hearing the literal opposite within a seven month, eight month period for when Nathaniel Hackett was saying all this stuff to the new guy who was actually coaching the NFL for sixteen years, won a Super Bowl. Uh, flipped an organization from a, a, a two-win team. Th- what were they? Three-win teams. But the, the the year before he got there, I think they were yeah. a three-win team. I think they were three and thirteen. Then year over year, they're ten wins. Like everything that Nathaniel Hackett wanted to do, Sean Payton has actually done. And the fact that, and that's why I have um, a, a real trust in Sean Payton that whatever his internal football compass says, like he says that he said he talked about this actually in his introductory press conference. He's like, I'm open to new ideas, um, but I know what it looks like, and I know what it doesn't look like, and that will never go out of style. Right. And I wonder what the implementation of that actually looks like this summer. And it's being flexible, you know, and, and being fluid in the situation. I, I think that's the right approach um, when, it, when it comes to getting ready to play football. There's no – I don't think there, you know, you said it too. There's no one, like, right answer. This is the way that we have to do it. Every situation is different and unique. Every year should be handled differently from year to year, yep. right? And, and how you go about your business, depending on your football team and how you view it, it shouldn't be a one-off of, nope, this is how we're going to do things all the time. 
and we're just going to go out there. We're going to have one, you know, semi-tough practices and then pretty much two, like, really easy practices. That, that shouldn't be the case. We're not going to play guys at all, or we are going to play guys every single preseason game or one or two games. I think every year should be handled a little bit differently, but what will never go out of style is getting after it a little bit. Yep. Back-to-back days. Because you have to do that. You have to train your body to be ready for the grind of football, to be ready to play four quarters of football. And if you're not doing it in the preseason games, which you're not going to play four quarters, you have to train your body right. for that That's and right. practices. And and so, if not, how are you going to go out there and, be, and, and play four quarters? You're not. You have to play 60 minutes, Zach. <laughs> right. It's not right. like they let you tap out after halftime no. and just like, no, we're good. You got to play sixty minutes, and to think that you can just go about it and just, uh, you know, like, oh, whatever. Let's just let's just have some fun here. No, it's got to be demanding and tough at certain aspects, even in today's NFL. Yep, there's still room for it in there. Still a lot of room for it. Still a lot of room for it. Football's hard, man. It should be hard, and guys um, should get a little bit beat down, a little bit unhappy. It it should be right. difficult. That's it's not supposed to be. I mean, we we. We, as a show, you know, nicknamed it Training Glamp. Like, there's a difference between camping and glamping. Yep. The big-time difference. And the Broncos weren't ready for the elements, you know, when they came. So, I, but, but how impressive would it be? And I just saw it happen twice this past year, so don't tell me it can't happen. Doug Peterson, Brian Dayball, took a three-win team and a four-win team and had them in the playoffs. Three and four wins, largely with the same cast of characters. Do you remember the show Scared Straight? Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so like it'd be like a collection of like you know kids that were getting in trouble and are about to you know just really go down this path and like fall off, you know, for all sorts of different reasons, and they get brought to a you know um, a jail or a prison and get these hard asses like, yo, you guys don't want this. They're in your face, and then like they do like these checkups on like how these kids were doing sometimes, and some kids would go down the wrong path still, but a lot of them wouldn't. A lot of them, you know, a lot of the same kids that were just in trouble and couldn't figure it out, they had this, you know, awakening because of this experience, and and those same kids went on to do great. I I wonder, with the same collection of talent that was, I don't want to say treated, because they were treated great, almost too great. It was like, it wasn't representative of why they were there. It wasn't as grueling as, as it was going to be. Um, And I wonder if Sean Payton... Not, not like he used the word. I'm not a tyrant. I'm not talking about like getting in people's faces and you know screaming and you know being like Bear Bryant or something like that. But can Sean Payton take the same group that went five and twelve and harden them and teach them and coach them up and also love them up and find that balance? And with the same stinking group that couldn't get it done and had two left feet and were out of control and undisciplined and all this stuff, could he fix them? And I just can't wait to see that process unfold. Yeah, certainly. We see it all the time. Uh, it's going to be difficult. It's not easy. I think when you look at uh, the Giants and Jacksonville, one main thing happened for both of those teams. One main thing happened for both of those teams. Yeah, do you care to um, I guess? Have a, I have a guess. Okay. I mean, what one main thing for those two teams, um, a certain position? Uh, the, the quarterback yeah. position. Yeah, both of those quarterbacks. They got those two quarterbacks to play at a much higher level. Obviously, Daniel Jones, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. You know, uh, it's like bust, 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 bust. 
Well, he played at a much higher level, right? And they put him in a better situation. And uh, I don't know if it was the offensive system or whatever, whatever the case, coached him up. All these different things played a role in him playing at a much higher level. I just saw on uh, Colin Coward um, show earlier when I was watching the, the TV out there and out front here, and it's like Daniel Jones is going to make, you know, 35 million bucks. Uh, I don't know if it's just guaranteed money, something like he's in for a big payday. That was the headline, right, yeah. Daniel Jones. So, And then you look at Trevor Lawrence. I would guess that'd a, be guaranteed money. Sorry, yeah, yeah keep yeah, going. Not a year. Uh, but uh, then you look at Trevor Lawrence and and what he was able to do and from year one to year two, a lot of people are like, oh, he might be a bust, not a good quarterback. Man, look at this, awful with his eye, all these different things. And he played at a much higher level, obviously. And, um, you know, next thing you know, they're in the playoffs. Yep. So – Hey, you look at here, fast forward and look at Denver and say, okay, well, we got to get Russ to play better and play more competent. And uh, can he do it? Certainly he can do it, and especially with um, a coach like Sean Payton, hopefully. Hopefully that's the case. We've seen him do it. Now we got better coaching, better system, and now it's time to really see if he can do it. But it starts there, and, right. and we know that. Yeah. And I think of the Daniel Jones example specifically. Um and maybe, maybe I think of Jacksonville too, honestly, because the coach that they had in Jacksonville the previous year, just like, and I don't want to be insulting, but he just, it was. I don't think you can be more insulting to him than you've already been throughout the year. So like, I did name, you, I did name now, him Bourbon Urban. Right. Which is great. But now you don't want to be insulting to him. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I want to be nice to him now you're after right. I insulted him for the past year and a half. <laughs> I just drug his name through the mud. Any chance I got, I just kicked him when he was down. But now, I don't want to be insulting to him, so I'm uh, like, wait, what? What is going on here? Yes, you do. Continue it. We all are here for it, Zach. Oh, my gosh. It is the old Roddy Piper quote. I never hit someone when I'm down. I kick him. It's easier. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. You got to love it on a Friday. Um, uh, like. No, I got to read the grandkids. I got to put the grandkids to bed. Got to put the grandkids to bed. And oh I'm gonna read them a book. Don't worry about it, Grandma. I got this. What was he and he's thinking? sneaking out the window. What like, was he thinking? In where did Pop go? <laughs> huh? Oh, he left. Where, Wait, why he didn't tell me bye? He's in them streets. Oh, he oh. hit them streets. I thought he was Uh-oh. reading me the Berenstein Bears. No, no. <laughs> he read me one page of it, oh, and then he did. Oh my gosh! Sneaking out. Yeah. Supposed to be reading Goldilocks, Columbus. and there he is oh. in someone else's bed, like Goldie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But so, so in that case, it was so. But I don't want to be insulting. I don't want to be insulting to, but, to to Urban Meyer, but it was so just like incompetent and stuff. And yeah. I wonder how much of like just that flavor was here, uh, and just the, like like the incompetence and backwards thought, and you know, over empowering players and this co op of players and coaches, like that really hurt. Um, Trevor Lawrence in a different way. I wonder how much it hurt Russell. But with Daniel Jones and the way they flipped that team to a four-win team to a playoff team, they just they just like when I would watch the Giants, like he just wasn't in position to even be taking risks. Like here's a stat for you: Do you realize this past year? You would think on the heels of that statement, they had Daniel Jones throw the ball less. No, Daniel Jones. Uh, and it's it was, it's unfair because he played in more games, but he attempted 100 more passes this year. Okay, they just didn't put him in a position that was risk. They protected him, yep. and he ran ended. The ball. Up, yeah, they ran the hell out of the ball. He ended up throwing five more touchdowns and two less interceptions. So the good stuff got better. The bad stuff uh, uh, got better as well. And 
in, in, in a good way, terrible phrasing, but um, I wonder how much Sean Payton can have that impact on Russell Wilson. Yeah, and, and, and that's – look – I look at those situations, and you look at the Giants, right, where, where they've had good picks for a while. They've they been a bad team for a while, yep. right? And they did. They put a better system around him, and, you know, sometimes it's just coaching also. Coach him up a little bit differently, and he, he, did, a, he, did, a, he did a great job. You look at Jacksonville, and, you know, they've had you know, early picks for a while oh, also. Yeah. They had a lot of cap room to spend. So that's the difference between where we're at kind of here and where those teams were that's to kind of flip true. it around there. It's, um, you know, with with us here, we don't have the draft. We haven't had, like, you know, top five picks. Uh, they, Jacksonville had the number one overall pick the year before. Yep. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit and, – and Jacksonville had a ton of cap room. They did. And we have some cap room here, right? It's just not – you know, in the top couple. So, I mean, we, it's not like we can just go out there and just spend to spend right. in this situation. So, but to your point, coaching's a big deal. The system is a big deal. And having a guy that's been there and done that is a big deal. And we have that guy. He's done it before. And if anyone's going to do it with Russ and get Russ back on track and get this thing back in the right direction, it is Sean Payton. Love it. Now let's go get a darn snack. Now let's go get we a gosh get darn Ryan snack. <laughs> let's go get Rex. We got to get And you want to know too. what? We're bringing in Rob too. We're bringing yes, in Rob no. too. You can't have Rex without Rob. What are you talking? About? I need both of the brothers in town. Package deal. Oh, love it. Um, we would be entertaining and fun yes. here with both of those. Yes. Does Rob still have the long hair? I mean, you remember that long, like gray long hair, just like it was everywhere. looking like Fabio. It was everywhere. At if you three thirty, at three thirty, Fabio. I remember like Rex. They would like play in the Superdome, win a game, and Rex would be like out on Bourbon Street. Like the, the Rex yeah, is like out, like celebrating, like yes. But that's like like the defensive coordinator's out with the yes. fans, like hanging out on a right. Sunday afternoon, like celebrating Rex or the Rob? win. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob, Rob, Rob. Yeah, Rob. Rob. yeah, Rob. yeah. yes, yes. Oh, okay. I mean, you look at their dad, Buddy Ryan. You know, putting hits on kickers and stuff. I mean, that's just how they roll. They like. Didn't he fight someone on the sideline yeah, at some point? Yeah, it was Kevin Gilbride. Okay, guy hates me. Is that right? Yeah, hates me. I don't know. I mean, I, he did not like. I, he was my coordinator. He was a coordinator and um, with the Giants. Yeah, with the white mustache. Was that him? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Why does he hate I, you? I, I don't. I don't think he it just. I never got a good vibe from him. Like, okay. He didn't like me. Okay. You know, you get that vibe sometimes from guys, and it's just like. Yeah. They 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 seem just like not giving you the time. Just yeah, to, just like I don't think he likes me very much. I don't know why. Yeah. You know. Interesting. But let's get, him get on, a good vibe from him. Let's get him on the phone. Yeah. Um. Okay, we're gonna go live to Salt Lake City. Mike Singer has a report on Bones Highland, uh, and maybe some regrets on how things ended in Denver. That's next. Let's go to eat a. Gu- Snack. You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. All right, All Star Weekend kicking off tonight, the Rising Stars game. And let's just start there uh, and just. To discuss this and more, uh, our guy, Mike Singer from the Denver Post, who does a fabulous job, uh, and he's got a new piece, by the way, that everyone should check out, uh, about Bones Highland, that's the central focus of it, and sort of some looking back on maybe a little bit of regret, maybe a little bit more communication. Mike's with us here uh, on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline, live from Salt Lake City. 
Mike, uh, go ahead and outline some of the things that you learned uh, here in the last uh, 24, 48 hours from Bones Highland. Yeah, so uh, today was is the Rising Stars game. Bones is obviously in it for the second consecutive year. Um, he comes out to do his press conference availability, and there are only Denver media awaiting him. And Bones has this big look on his face like, oh, boy, like <laughs> – he knows he he knows what we're doing there, and, and you know he knows the type of questions that we're going to ask. And um, to Bones' credit, he was as professional as could be. He was insightful. He was honest. He was enlightening. I would not say that he took a ton of ownership for what went wrong, but he did say that both sides could have handled um, the exit and the trade, the subsequent trade, better than they did. Um, specifically, he cited communication. He said communication from the coaching staff um, was not there, was not where he needed it to be, was not where he expected it to be. Um, you know, but again, he said it could have been better on both ends, but he said there was a lot of communication with the front office that Bones kind of understood where he stood. Um, but in, in regards to the coaching staff, um, that was not there. And to me, that speaks to what his last five or six games was like when he fell out of the rotation and it was unclear exactly, you know, where, where the team stood in regards to his playing status. Mike, uh, did, did they just run into a situation where they had to move him? It was so toxic. Um, you, you saw him, you know, take off uh, and leave the bench area. Is that what started this thing? Uh, did he leave the arena? Uh, because in the end, you only got, you know, a couple second-round picks for this talent who you drafted in the first round a couple years ago. It just doesn't add up. Like, what what, what do you know that really went wrong there? Yeah, so, you know, I reported as soon as the trade happened that there were definitely um, there were definitely some veterans who, who did not appreciate that Bones walked off the bench in that Oklahoma City game. That was um, – that's unequivocal. Uh, and you, you know, when you're fighting for a championship, there's not a lot of leeway. You don't have time to um, manage somebody who doesn't necessarily want to be there or isn't okay with their role. Like that's not what anybody's attention or energy or focus uh, can be at. And, and look, Bones is a really talented second-year player, um, but when that's your, you know, mo, um, I think that not necessarily those two things were not necessarily aligned. Bones showing that he can be a ball, like, you know, can be a impactful player and the Nuggets striving to win their championship. So those two things didn't align. There was definitely frustration in ter- between he and Jamal Murray in terms of playing style. I reported that as well. Um, but, you know, you use the word toxic and I don't think that it was toxic. I don't think that it got to a point where it was irreparable. Um Bones talked about today how coming back from that Minnesota game, which was on the second night of a back-to-back, he and Michael Porter Jr. had a long conversation just about the state of the state. And DeAndre Jordan was supportive of him. In the aftermath of the trade, multiple guys, rookies, Jeff Green, Jamal Murray, they all sent Bones Highland notes and reached out to him and said, look, man, the timing just wasn't right. It is what it is. Like, go be a star. That's what Michael Porter Jr. told him. So, I'm hesitant to use the word toxic, um, but there were definitely things that, you know, festered that weren't in, in the best interest of the Nuggets. So ultimately they decided, yeah, if the, if the return is going to be two second round picks, um, it is what it is. Then, you know, we just need to move on with this. We're talking with Mike Singer of the Denver Post live on Stokely and Zach here. Go check out Mike's piece in the Post about uh, Bones Highland and looking back on the exit uh, from the Nuggets. It's definitely worth your while. Mike, uh, as we look forward, though, beyond this weekend, Jamal Murray hasn't played in a little bit here. 
the report was, you know, they'll reevaluate after the All-Star break. I haven't seen an injury actually reported yet, though. Can you provide, as much as you can, a little bit of clarity on what's going on with Jamal? And just how concerned are you uh, with that um, non-surgically repaired knee now? Right. So it's it's the right knee. Um, There's been right knee inflammation, which has held him out of the last six games going into the All-Star break. Um, and so there's a, there's a fair question. Did he need to sit all six of them or were the Nuggets kind of looking ahead and saying, Hey, there's a nearly three week stretch here where we can get him off his legs and it would be prudent to, you know, let him rest and recover and be as fully healthy as possible for the stretch run. Um, we are going to learn a ton, uh, on February 23rd, when the Nuggets, uh, resumed their second half of the season in Cleveland, I'll be there, uh, because, if Jamal Murray is not available, then then red flags, then eyebrows, then, uh, you know, I start to ask myself, how significant is this? I'm also going to learn more tomorrow. Michael Malone is, is going to be speaking because he's the head coach um, for, for the West All-Star, I think Team LeBron. So he's going to talk tomorrow, and I'm definitely going to ask as much as I can and learn as much as I can about Jamal's situation. In terms of concern, it's tough to say um, – Michael Malone does not seem to be overly concerned. I will say that, which I always take my leads and my reads from, you know, what the coach is saying. So, um, like I said, we're going to learn a lot more this week, but it's just the overcompensation. And, and, and the reason why that has the potential to be scary, you know, I'm hesitant to invoke this guy's name, but Derek Rose, um, his, his knees kind of, uh, they, they left him after he had that first, I think it was an MCL initially. So, you know, it's just hard when you when guys are returning, you want to overcompensate. You don't necessarily want to, but that inevitably happens as an athlete. And so um, I think that they need to be extremely cautious with him because we all know the Nuggets are not reaching anywhere close to their potential uh, if Jamal is not available uh, to be Joker's dance partner. Yeah, uh, Mike Singer, Denver Post, joining us here. Um, Mike, uh, Jokic going for three in a row MVPs. Where, where are you at with him and that quest to get three in a row. Is this thing locked up? Does he need to finish strong? Where are you at with the Joker uh, going for three in a row? Yeah, I don't think it's, quote, locked up, but um, I think that the NBA media machine is wrapping their head around the idea that this guy is going to join the most elite of NBA history in terms of Larry Bird, Bill Russell, and Wilt Chamberlain as a guy to, a guy to win three consecutive MVPs. Um, you know, ESPN did their straw poll and 77% of voters, uh, I won't say voters because I don't necessarily know if they're all voters, but 77% of respondents said that Joker is his, their number one. Um, I'm not, you know, the argument was always, well, what about the team success? All right, this team has a five-game lead in the West. Well, is he still doing it? Uh, yeah, he's averaging a triple-double. What about efficiency? Um, 65% from the field. What? I, I don't know what else you want from a guy Um and the crazy thing is, is the bar keeps getting raised and he keeps surpassing it. So, uh, look, we're going to have to figure out how to contextualize how special this dude is. But, yeah, he's I don't want to say he has it locked, locked up, but he is on the verge of joining, I mean, stuff that only legends um, have accomplished in NBA history. Yeah, he's already part of that conversation we were talking earlier. He's nine triple doubles behind LeBron James for fifth most all time. He hasn't turned 28 yet. That's a little bit later uh, 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 this week, actually. Um, right. Ma- Mike, 
you're the best, man. Uh, you are killing it. We're a huge fan uh, on this show, and we love having you. Have fun out in Salt Lake, and I know we'll check in at some point down the stretch of this NBA season. I love it. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. Okay, there he goes, Mike Singer. Uh, read his stuff at the Denver Post. Follow him on Twitter. He's the only beat writer that is tra- has traveled with the Denver Nuggets day in, day out, day in, day out, doesn't miss road trips. I think he's the foremost uh, voice covering uh, this basketball team and a must-follow uh, if you are uh, following along with the Denver Nuggets. I got a treat for you, Stoke. A treat? Yes. Huh. We're going to try to stump Stokely oh, no. on ZB's Trivia Corner. Hell yeah! <laughs> yes, on a Friday. We'll get there next. Zach on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. All right, we got to get a name for this, uh, this trivia segment, because we started doing this uh, during the uh, week of the Super Bowl, and uh, it was, we had so much fun, and, and, and I shared the story uh, at the time, I'll give you a compressed version of it, like, in the years leading up to getting this job in 2017, which this month was somehow six years ago. Um, I'd be doing trivia, one-man band style. Went out and bought my own speaker, my own mic, my own XLR co- uh, uh, accord, uh, would write my own questions. You know, at the start of when I was doing this for two different places, these like restaurant bars, I would take from like these internet sites that would have trivia questions, and inevitably, at some point, the answer to the question would be wrong. And like there's, you want anxiety? Be standing in front of a bunch of people who are playing trivia, and the answer that you're giving is the wrong one. Oh, that's not good. Not good. I mean, you got to triple check that. Dude, so eventually it got to a point where, like, dude, I don't trust anyone. I'm just making my own questions. So it would take longer, but I knew they'd be right because I was the one, you know. Oh, you just double-checked the other ones. You could have done that also. Yeah, I guess so. But then, then you run into, like, after you do it for a certain amount of months, like, these questions aren't good. Like, I want good questions, like, and engaging questions and – you just run out. So between both of those things, it'd be like, I just need to just definitely want good questions. That's a good criteria to start with. I could have helped. But you'd be surprised. Like you you go to trivia sometimes, like, what are we doing here? It's like, how many, how tall is the um, uh, uh, empire state building? It's like, how am I going to know that? Like, so I just write a number down and closest to the pin wins. That sucks in my opinion. So anyway, king of trivia here. We've been doing trivia here during Super Bowl week. We We got to, we got to come up with a name for it. All right. ZB's Trivia Corner, that's what I wrote as a tease. That sucks. It does? It's terrible. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Stump Stokely, but that like only has you in the name when I'm actually doing the work. Right. So it's like you getting credit you know, for stuff that I do, which is kind of the framework of the show. But for this segment, <laughs> yeah. I want it to be different. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, we're, we'll work on it. Let's play some trivia. Yes. Yeah, we'll, right. we'll, we'll find a name. I like it. You do a really good job with it. And um, – yeah, you used to do it here locally in town. Also. Yes, at old, yeah. at old Chicago. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, and for the right price, I'll do it again. Right. <laughs> Mac took your um, sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just stole it from me. It's like, I thought you were doing that. Yeah, like I used to. Uh, so I don't, know what, I don't right. know what happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Um, anyway, I got five questions for you here. Three of them have to do with kind of the same topic. But if old Chicago wants a real deal, they come back to ZB for trivia. <laughs> right? you, you said it. That's right. You said it. That's right. I'm just throwing it out there. All right. 
Let's go. Question number I'm one. I'm ready. So this has to do with like just sports. Oh yes. Yes, we have the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music in oh, the gosh. background. Yes. The quarterback class of 1983 is going to be a big theme here today with some of these questions. Oh, great. Okay. There's no pressure, man. We're just having fun. No, there is pressure. It's easy for you to say there's no pressure because, you know, it's like you're not the one that looks like an idiot when when, when, Dude, it, when there's – look. There is pressure. There's always pressure. One – you always look like an idiot. Two, it's radio, so they can't actually see you. So you sound like one, too, sometimes. But th- this th- this is not one of those times. All okay. right? We're having okay. fun. All right. Let's have fun. Okay. The quarterback Having class. fun, and you're just killing me along the way. But but I'm the bad guy. Remember that, guys? I'm the bad guy here. Yep. The quarterback class of 1983 okay. is considered the greatest of all time by many. What Penn State quarterback was taken by the Chiefs after John Elway, but before Jim Kelly and Dan Marino. Mr. Todd. You are on it. What's Mr. his last Todd name? Blackledge. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Bang. He does He does uh, TV work now. He does. Yep. yep. Okay. Todd All Blackledge right. was the baby. That's a good start. Todd Blackledge was the second quarterback taken in that class. Mm. Question number two. Between John Elway, Jim Kelly, and Dan Marino... Which quarterback retired first? Wow. I'm not it's I'm taking John Elway off the list. I mean, he played for a while and we remember those two Super Bowls and so I think he played um a long time. I'm not going to go I'm going to go Dan seemed like he played a long time too. They all seem like they did. I, I I'm going to go uh, Jim Kelly retired first. You're on it. Yes. You're on it. He was the yeah, first to step question. back. That's a good question. And, they, uh, and I think they literally, I think they retired in consecutive years. Okay. I think it was like Jim Kelly retired in 96. I think Marino retired in 97. And John retired after the uh, the 98 season. And that uh, Super Bowl over Atlanta. Question number three. After John Elway was selected number one in the 1983 draft, which running back from SMU was taken second overall by the Rams. Oh, that has to be Eric Dickerson. You're on it. Okay. That, that you know, once you said running back out of SMU was like okay, and then I was like, then I had to go to okay, was that that era of you know Eric Dickerson? So I um, was torn whether to throw in Rams at the end. Yeah, that, that helped, but that would have been my guess. Once you said SMU, I don't know anybody else besides. Um, What's the other guy? He the Pony Express is is, is running mate there. Oh jeez, uh, Hodges or Craig something? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but but they had a good duo there. That's the only two SMU running backs that I know anyway. So I so for these for someone driving in the car, that's an easy question. Other people they don't know. But I used to say before trivia, just because you know the answer doesn't mean the people next to you know the answer. Don't call them out. I would always try to emphasize: be right. a normal person. All right. When you're calling out answers at trivia. You're now a weirdo. Don't be a weirdo. Be normal. Right. Keep your don't answers be, to yourself. Don't be like mean spirited, right? Yeah. Just like don't you were leading up to this to me. It's not mean spirited. Yes. Hateful. Hateful. Hate. Hateful. Let it out. Question number four. Dan Marino is the greatest quarterback ever from the University of Pittsburgh. What wide receiver on the top ten all-time receiving list is also a Panther? Larry Fitzgerald. Correct. God, I should have made these tougher. 
I, I'm just keeping my head down. I'm grinding. I'm about like I'm focused right now. It's only the third. It's only halftime, bro. Like, all right, I'm up 21 nothing. I keep my pedal to the metal. I'm I'm playing four quarters of football here. I'm finishing 18 holes of golf. Like, okay, I played good nine holes. What does that mean? Nothing. Nothing. I want to be a champion. Let's go. Focused. Question number five. Our final question before the bonus. Okay. Who? This is a basketball question. Oh. Who is the only member of the NBA's top 10 all-time scoring list that was born outside of the United States of America? Ooh. Dirk Nowitzki. God almighty. Woo! <laughs> hey, give me knuckles, All man. Right, that was baby. good. All right. I, I, got, I got to crank up the difficulty a little bit, but you, you swept the board, and that's, that's as good as you can get. Here's the bonus. Here's the bonus. Goes back to our theme of the class of 83. Celebrating tonight. (laughs) I'm celebrating tonight. I love it. The championship. Bonus question. And it's a bonus for a reason. Bonuses. Do I get two pours or one? I'm getting one pour for sure. The bonus, if I get this right, I get two pours. It's a four finger. Yeah. Four finger pour. (sighs) Between John Elway, Jim Kelly, and Dan Marino... Which quarterback never appeared on a first-team All-Pro list? Man. So this is a bonus for a reason. Correct. And I don't want to read too much into it. Um, Holy cow. Wow. Oh. My goodness, we can talk a little bit about it here if you want to. Do yeah, we have time yeah. To talk just a second about it. Yeah, we'll go a little I think longer. About it. I mean, you, you think of John. John has to be an All Pro, but so does Dan Marino. I mean, he's the, one of the best throwers of the football in the history of the game. And then Jim Kelly, the K Gun, like that's what they did. Andre Reid, and you know, I mean, just these great offenses. And so then I, I almost think that you say that you made this the question because the answer is the guy right here in town. Like, the guy that I would never think would be the answer, right? That's why you made it that way. It's like, oh, wait, what? John Elway's never been an All-Pro? So that's where First team. First team. First team All-Pro. That's where my mind would go. It it would go there. John stinking Elway, final answer. Two poor, one poor. You're freaking on it. (laughs) Two poor tonight, baby. Oh, it's on tonight. Yes! Unbelievable. Yes, yes, yes! I follow the rules. Oh. I do the right thing. Right? Oh. I'm like the NFL, oh. safety first. <laughs> oh, that was fun, Dan man. Marino, three-time first-team All-Pro. Okay. Jim, oh, there, There's only one. There's only one first-team All-Pro quarterback. Right, okay. Marino did it three times, so your logic was you're, you're all over it. Jim Kelly got there once, and this is what makes it a trick question, a bonus question. How could you not get first team all pro when you've actually won an MVP? John Elway was the MVP of the league in 1987. Wow. But he was second team all pro. Because of how voting works, Joe Montana was first team all pro in the same year that John Elway won the league MVP. Wow. Look at that background. That's great context there, people. I mean, you're not getting that anywhere else. Uh, well done. And, um, 
Second fingers, we'll break when we're ready to break. Okay, this is our segment. Okay, you settle down over there. It's on a Friday. I'll tell you when we're going to dang break. I just went 6-0, and okay? He kind of says that kind of stern, too. I got to break. I'm like, uh, we'll let you know when we're going to hey, break. We went 6-0 okay? back here, job. too. Uh, y'all didn't go 6-0. and all. Oh, I believe did. in that. I, we did two over here. Yeah, you're on the sidelines. Yeah, okay. I'll crank right. it up next Friday. Great job. Thanks, uh, That man. was a lot of fun. That was good context was on the John Elway one, though. Isn't that like, interesting? How can you not win MVP? I mean, you, how can you not be first-team All-Pro when you win MVP of the league? That makes no sense. That just tells you how screwed up the voting system is. It's been a very up-and-down season. That will break. It's been a very up-and-down season for the Avs. If we're obeying what we're seeing, should the expectations be the same as last spring? That's coming up next.